For an Easter story, a post-resurrection revelation of Jesus story, the supper at Emmaus has a melancholy feel. Two men walk from Jerusalem to a neighboring town in the late afternoon, mulling over the crucifixion of the one they thought would redeem Israel. But we had hoped, they say. We presume it is a lonely road, one where a third person showing up would mean they'd automatically become a, a trio of travelers. As Cleopas and his friend pour their hearts out to Jesus in disguise, their sorrow permeates the path they trod. But Jesus snaps them out of it once their story is told. Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart. Don't you see that all the messages from Scripture through the centuries predict that this is how it has to go down? First suffering and then glory? And he interprets all those texts for them so that their eyes are opened to the underlying narrative of salvation contained therein. Their hope rekindled, hungry for more, they urge him to stay with them, even as he seems to want to keep walking on past Emmaus. At the supper table, he blesses the bread and breaks it. Their eyes are opened. They finally see that it's Jesus, and in that split second of recognition, he vanishes. Amazed, overwhelmed, they immediately start back on that path to Jerusalem to tell the others, though night has already fallen, and they'll be stumbling along the way, now with a new topic to discuss and marvel over. Each of the four post-resurrection Easter stories that we hear around this time of the church year is tinged with this melancholy, this longing to touch and hold Jesus that goes unfulfilled, this hiddenness these quiet appearances out of the public eye. Mary Magdalene's pre-dawn encounter with the man she mistakes for a gardener, prevented from touching him when he finally reveals himself. Thomas's late-night bitter refusal to believe without hands-on proof. And even then, he never actually does touch the wounds or side of Jesus, notwithstanding all the paintings since then that show just that. The early morning breakfast on the beach with his disciples, that quiet coda to John's gospel, where he first appears as a stranger on the shore, urging them to cast their nets to the other side of their boat. And only then do they realize it's Jesus, though they're too afraid to ask him point blank. And when he invites them to eat, he lets Peter know, you will suffer for the sake of feeding my sheep. And now today's story. When Jesus disappears in the very second the two men recognize him, their keen longing left painfully unfulfilled. Why must Jesus remain so tantalizingly out of reach? Why the disguises? Why the awe-filled distancing? Why so coy? If someone I loved rose from the dead, you can bet there'd be hugs and kisses. Or at least some backslapping if he were my fraternity bro. And if he were the one I'd hoped would save us all from the oppressor, I gotta be honest and admit that part of me would side with Cleopas and his friend. Hey Jesus, where's the grand entrance? 
Where is the deliverance, the certainty, the assured salvation? It would really be a lot easier if you just busted out in a big way and proved our faith in you. Now, I'm only going to say this once, because it's not something a priest is supposed to tell his people. This is not fair. I don't understand why faith has to be work. Why can't it just be a sure thing? And yeah, I know, then it wouldn't be called faith, because the opposite of faith is certainty. To which I would reply, then call it by another name, and let's have some proof. Anyway, I did not say that. There's only one reason I can fathom why Jesus dies, then resurrects, only to go away again, leaving us with a longing for his presence in the flesh. It's because we have to learn how to be strong on our own, to grow our faith in his absence with the guidance of the Holy Spirit so that we, in effect, become Christ in the world. If he had stuck around and fulfilled all our dreams of what a Messiah would do, there'd be no reason for us to ever lift a finger. Climate change? Jesus will fix it. Famine and hunger? Here's a few loaves, Jesus. Do your thing. He'd be the person on the committee who does everything, so all we have to do is show up for the meetings. We would remain in stasis. Our faith and good deeds would stagnate. Because why bother if he's around and has it covered? William teaches high school English, and he was talking with a student on Zoom this week about his essay for Tess of the D'Urbervilles. The young man was bursting with ideas for his paper and communicated them excitedly to William. But then he asked, can I call you later and, and check in again about this? To which William sternly replied, don't let the teacher take over your paper. Your essay needs to be propelled by your excitement over your own insights or ideas. Mutatis mutandis. Find ways to express your own faith that are true for you. Don't ask Jesus or your priest to do the work for you. Because then you'll never grow or learn or find your own inner strength. Obi-Wan Kenobi had to die so that Luke Skywalker could come into his own and learn to use the Force without relying on a crutch. Dumbledore sacrificed himself so Harry Potter would gain strength in leadership and inspire a band of kids to conquer Voldemort and his minions. So too, Jesus, in ascending to heaven, left room and inspiration so his disciples could grow fearless and spread the word to the ends of the earth. Noli mi tangere. Don't hold on to me, he tells Mary Magdalene in the garden that early morning. Reach out your hand and put it in my side, he tells Thomas, not to do the work for him, to replace his faith, but to bolster it. Do not doubt, but believe. We can't hold on to Jesus and have him answer everything for us. Jesus departed, but he never really left. His love and spirit remain within us. Our task is to use that inner strength 
to adapt to this new reality of absence and make something of it. These six weeks of sheltering in place are tinged with melancholy, fear, anxiety, restlessness. We have been deprived of things we love, people and activities that brought meaning to our lives, work that gave shape to our days, rituals that formed our identity. We can't pray in our sanctuary, that sacred space whose walls are steeped in decades of devotion. We can't hold our grandson, dine with friends, or climb the Eiffel Tower. But have you noticed? Your heart burns within you from that absence. The longing and love you once focused on the obvious object of your affection is now refracted and diffused in all directions. You grin wider when parents pass by with their baby strollers. They are someone else's children and grandchildren too. Your FaceTime with family or friends online makes you notice more intently their faces and their smiles. You Zoom with friends you haven't seen in years over a glass of wine and reminisce about the old days. You look at travel photos you haven't looked at in a long time and relive the joy you felt in foreign lands. And you, who weren't even a regular churchgoer before, watch two or three Easter Day liturgies and regularly seek out worship services or meditation videos. You clean out the garage, learn to cook, read more. And lo and behold, amid all this fear and death and anger, you find a kindness and a generosity in yourself you never knew you had until what was easy fell away. Don't hold on to me, Jesus urges. Hold on to everyone. That is the journey of faith he longs for us to take. And so we walk with Cleopas and his friend. Every day of our faith is an afternoon on a lonely road, longing for revelation and salvation. But we had hoped. Every prayer is a meeting up with someone on the path we don't always recognize, pouring out our sorrows, waiting for some meaning to be made from our experiences. Where our choice comes in is here. Do we invite the stranger in to stay with us, hearts burning to know more? Or do we let him travel on past our home? The choice is also here. What will we do once the bread is broken and what truly matters in our life is revealed? Will we rush back to tell the others and share our story of faith? Will we parcel out that bread to those who starve for lack of what is found there? Or will we do nothing and in our stasis of longing and inaction remain unfulfilled while the precious gift of broken bread molds untouched in our heart. May the absence make you stronger. May the broken bread make you whole.